0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University.
1: I always love it, though, when because I, I'm, you sit there and watch a film and you're aware of this, and you go, look at that bottle of Coke, it's perfectly positioned. And they're holding it in such a way that so you can, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can definitely see the brand, and you can see them doing little takes, can't you? Okay, no, move the bottle around a bit because we can't get the full logo
0: in. And then she goes on this like thirty-second spiel about how great her minivan is, and, and names it by make and model, and all. And it it was so jarring and out of place that whatever non-conscious influence was supposed to be happening became suddenly very, very conscious.
1: So can I just establish, when you were telling people that you're an influencer, you didn't put yourself
0: in that category, did you? I am all of those things. So obviously people (laughs) turn to me for knowledge about theory. We know that.
1: Ryan, it's really been interesting recently because I've been thinking about this whole area of influencers it's so common now isn't it to have marketing departments that, or parts of marketing department that, that are looking for influencers
0: in their marketplace yeah yeah I've started introducing myself as an influencer to you have yeah I figure since nobody actually knows what it means <laughs> um, nobody can call me out on that but you see actually you raise a really interesting point there without I wasn't knowing intending it. to
1: so if I <laughs> I did. That's great. You don't normally, mate,
0: either. So <laughs> that does make it congr- noteworthy. Congratulations Thank on you. raising it. A- I'm going to be able to start charging a lot more now. For
1: my <laughs> <parenting>. <laughs> so the the reason I was saying you you raise an interesting point there is because I guess by the very definition of the word influence means that you are influencing somebody to do something. Presumably, right? Yeah. I guess this goes back to the, for me, this, um, people would have heard an episode that we did because beyond philosophy is 20 years old. And I remember when I first started in this game, I was an expert or I thought I was an expert in the topic, but nobody knew that I was. Mm -hmm. So I guess the analogy I'm trying to draw here is you going, well, actually I introduced myself as an influencer but you see that even if that is you go well is that right because surely being an influencer to a certain extent is something that others bestow upon you does that make sense
0: it certainly should be right yeah the reason that that i make that joke and that it's you know funny to the extent that it is
1: sure which is unusual for one of your jokes to be funny in the first place mate so congratulations <laughs> for improving
0: <laughs> I mean, we're we're learning a lot about it, today, <laughs> uh, but there is the kind of this plague of people who have proclaimed themselves influencers. Yeah, and there's really kind of there, you know, there's no bar exam for being an influencer. There's no sure. there's no organization checking on this. And a lot of companies are, you know, to your point, very interested in this, and it can kind of feel like the wild west where there's there's no rules and it's very kind of loose. Sure. And um, so yeah, I, I was I was excited that you wanted to talk about influencing and and how it works from a theory perspective and how firms can be smarter about considering influences
1: let's kick off let's do the boring theory stuff that you're so good
0: at I beg your pardon. (laughs) Uh, My influencing (laughs) career has been built on my knowledge of theory.
1: Need I say more exactly
0: One of the distinctions that we can talk about is the difference between conscious influencing and subconscious influencing. So some of the influencers that we turn to, uh, particularly those that that are seen as kind of experts in their area. So you can think of like, you know, like fashion bloggers or sports stars who are are talking about athletic equipment related to their sport, that kind of thing.
1: Actors as well.
0: Yeah, so it's particularly those who are known for being kind of beautiful and fashionable and, and that people want to emulate. Yeah, we might exactly, we might seek out like, oh, well, what is, what is the new hairstyle that this person yes. is?
1: So can I just establish, when you were telling people that you're an influencer, you didn't put yourself in that category, did you?
0: I am all of those things. So obviously people <laughs> turn to me for knowledge about theory, we know that. But as long as this remains an audio-only podcast... <laughs> I can tell people I am also exceedingly beautiful um, and fashionable.
1: Yeah, we'll put a picture in the show notes just yeah, to prove a that picture. that's not the case.
0: Not a picture of me, but a picture yeah. will go up. So there are instances where we, we seek out these people and we're aware that we're being influenced. You know, sometimes yeah. we even seek to be influenced. So we want to know what this person's doing. So that's a category. And I think a lot of influencers fall into that.
1: Just so we're clear. So an example of that is... Somebody saying, I want to be seen as fashionable, I'm going to someone who I think is fashionable and sort of is an influencer. Maybe they wouldn't even say that, but I'll go and see what they are doing and whatever they're doing. Therefore, that influences my decision making.
0: Yes. And we're aware that it's happening.
1: Yes, that's the key. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so I think that happens a lot. If you're following somebody on Instagram, I mean, a lot of these influencers kind of don't have any other bona fides other than the fact that they have a lot of followers um, yeah. on these social media platforms. But a lot of the people who are following them are following them for that reason, right? Because this person uh, does such amazing things with her hair and I wanna follow that and I wanna know what, what she's doing. yeah, Or I wanna know what makeup products that this person thinks are great. That's one category. And we can come back to it, but I will say that that, that kind of influence is not particularly new it's it's more democratic than it used to be in other words it's not just limited to sports stars and and hollywood movie stars now kind of anyone can get into this game and as long as they they generate a large enough following their expertise can be appreciated and firms will seek them out but it's not it's not new like we've always looked to experts for advice sure so that's one category
1: and i guess social media has just made them more accessible
0: exactly Right. Yeah. Now now we don't need to like actually make a bunch of movies first before people will start yeah. listening to us. Um, and I guess just... it's more niche, isn't it, really? It often it is, yeah. I mean I so for example, I follow a lot of woodworkers on Instagram and on YouTube. Right. And within the community they're very influential. I mean, people really care about what these people have to say about different types of tools or about different styles of of kind of furniture making. Yeah, but obviously, nobody outside the community could possibly care less about sure. what they're saying. Sure, sure. Celebrity is is measured in different ways, but from a theory perspective, I would argue it's not that different um, from how it's always been. It's just it's it's manifesting in a new way. Sure, sure. So that's one category is, is these conscious influences. The other category, obviously, is is subconscious, which is more fun to talk about. Before we dig into subconscious, I want to get some definitions out of the way. Okay. A lot of times when people talk about subconscious influences, they talk about subliminal influences. And those are different. Subliminal has to do with how you perceive things. So if it enters into your consciousness, then it is not subliminal. So if you're aware that you're seeing it, it's not subliminal. Does that make sense? Yes. So a lot of times subliminal, like subliminal messaging that comes through visually happens in milliseconds. So it, it, it'll it flash like so fast that your conscious mind can't even process it. So visual processing happens um, all the time, but unless it, it's long enough, um, our conscious mind won't kind of recognize it and register it.
1: The bit there, so let me give you an example to just put it. it in my, my world, is, if you like. So the example I always use is you go into a bank and they put pens on chains, you, and and therefore that sort of makes you go, they don't trust me. Now, the bit about they don't trust me, not many people register that, but it's part of part of clues that I am picking up subconsciously, and I'm I'm sorry if I'm just about to steal your thunder, and that sort of going into my intuitive thinking. And then ultimately, when you turn around and say, you know, do you think the bank trusts you? You go, nah. And the reason you say that, you know, one of those reasons is subconsciously, you've picked up the fact that they've put pens on chains. If you then turn around to them, somebody turned around to you and said, why? You wouldn't say, well, they put pens on chains because you hadn't
0: registered that consciously. Does that make sense? Good. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great example. So the, the pens on chains might be a subconscious influence, but it's not subliminal. You saw the pen was on a chain, like that registered consciously to you. So it was not a subliminal influence, but it might have been a non-conscious or a subconscious influence. So I think that that, that is a nice distinction between these ideas. So you can be influenced by, subconsciously by things that are supraliminal, by things that you you are consciously aware that you've seen them, you're just not aware of the influence that they're having on you.
1: Right, okay. Because didn't they do that experiment, which I I believe was meant to be false, wasn't it, of um, putting some
0: subliminal messages about popcorn? Yes, so that is the most famous um, subconscious influence study. It was done by a guy named Vickery in the, the 1950s. And as you referenced there, it was, in fact, 100% fake. (laughs) That's the best type of experiment, don't you think? I mean, (laughs) they're certainly easier to run. (laughs) So, yeah, so this very famous experiment, he worked with a, a theater owner, presumably. They flashed, so this would have been subliminal messaging. So it was so fast, nobody were aware that they saw it. And they flashed the words, eat popcorn or drink Coke during this movie. And supposedly concession sales went way up. But yes, he was found out years later. This never actually ran in any theater. It didn't work. I think, though, it has some important lessons in here about the, the influence of subconscious messaging and subconscious influences, when it can work and when it won't. Right. But it, it did not. Several people tried to run this experiment later, and it didn't work. Yeah, the most famous example is actually a fake. It's
1: from. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. The, the other one that I always like and talk about is the Milgram experiment, which you all obviously know, but uh, and I'm sure many of the audience knows. But this was looking at the whole area of obedience and why do people do terrible things? Basically, yes.
0: nice people, normal people. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and and I'm not going to spend hours on this, but uh, the the essence of it was that they had someone who came to a university who was then greeted by somebody who, uh, and they told them that they were running this experiment. That person was the teacher. They had to read a load of words to a person who was behind a, a screen who was attached with electrodes. And if they repeated the words in the wrong order or something like that, then they would administer a shock, an electric shock to the person. But the interesting bit was that the shock level increased the more times they got things wrong until the point where they literally would be delivering a level of shock that would would fatally kill the person. And as these levels of shock was increased, you could hear the person next door screaming in pain until the last one was administered and there was no noise at all. Now, what the person who was administering the pain didn't realise was Actually, there was no pain at all. It was just being acted, but they thought it was.
0: That's right. Yeah, it was an actor, and, and it was not delivering actual shocks, which was But Well, I can't remember
1: the number, but I, I want to say something like 60%. We'll put a, a, a link in the show notes to this, to the video of it. There's a few videos on YouTube about this. Something like 60% of people went ahead and delivered that shock. And whilst they challenged authority – But the person in authority who was sitting in the same room basically goes, no, you've got to carry on delivering it. That's the purpose of the experiment. A surprisingly little amount of people turned around and went, no, I'm not prepared to do that.
0: So Colin, I've got a pickle. Have you recorded it? Because I only deal with pickles that are recorded. Well, that's the issue I want to address. My pickle is I'm tired of talking. I don't want to let our <laughs> listeners talk for a change. Great, because
1: we've absolutely got the facility for them to do that now. All they need to do is to go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. Hit the big red button, and then
0: they'll appear on the show. That's perfect. I'm going to go take a nap. Getting back
1: to our topic here and why that applies is, uh, a lot of people talk about the white coat moment, don't they? So I'm not talking all the time. Maybe you explain what that, what do you mean by that?
0: No, that, I mean, that was a good overview of Milgram. And that's one of the, the more famous experiments that's been run. But it wasn't just a one-time experiment. Milgram actually ran this same type of study over and over again and changed various things. And one of the things that he changed in some of these experiments is exactly what you're saying he changed some of the subtle cues around the authority of the person telling them that they had to push the shock button yeah I think in one of the studies they they specifically included or didn't include having the person wear this white lab coat yes that's right people tended to be more compliant more obedient when the person telling them to push the button and shock this other person was wearing a white lab coat. And so, yeah, as you say, people have called this the, the white lab coat effect. I was embedded in an ad agency a few years ago uh, for a couple of weeks to kind of learn how they did their jobs. And this particular ad agency was working on um, ads for uh, headache medicine, for pain medicine, uh, just over-the-counter stuff. And they they were telling me that, that there are rules that it is really really difficult to have anyone in a white lab coat in a tv commercial
1: all right interesting
0: because the the regulatory agencies are very sensitive to this right Um, because it gives the impression that that person is a doctor is an authority and people are more kind of willing to listen to that more compliant with it tying this back to where we started the presence of that white lab coat is super liminal we we can see it we know that we see it that we see that it's there but the influence that it has on us is largely non-conscious. It's subconscious. So w- nobody in the Milgram experiment thought, oh, well, this person is wearing a white lab coat. Therefore, they must be a doctor. Yeah. Therefore, I must listen to what they say.
1: I think they also in Milgram, didn't they, they changed the venue as well. So they changed the universities that it was at and, and the universities that were perceived to be higher levels were, again, the obedience was was higher because of that environmental stuff
0: and i don't remember all of the details of what was changed but yes they they did differ by venue and so you can imagine if it was run at a university there'd probably be higher levels of compliance than if it was run at a shopping mall for example sure and again these all go towards these non-conscious influences on our behavior in this case on our willingness to comply so going back to your bank example i think that the the pens on chains is something you can imagine. Um, the dress code of the employees is sending subtle subconscious signals to you. you know If they're very casual and, and you know just wearing T-shirts and jeans and, and name tags, as opposed to if they're all in formal business attire and with, with ties and everything is neatly pressed, um, that's going to send you different signals. And I'm not going to say that one is good or bad, but they could be consistent or inconsistent with the branding and with the messaging that you want. So if you want a more approachable bank where people feel comfortable, where they they feel like they can ask for advice or ask for for help, then a more casual dress code might be appropriate. If you want to send a signal of confidence where people can trust you and trust that you're going to handle their money responsibly and that kind of thing, then a more formal dress code could send this non-conscious influence.
1: And this is certainly the area where we go in and advise clients. A lot of organizations don't really think about these subconscious influences. The reality is, is, it's surprising, really. A lot of clients would go, well, we're not doing that. I go, well, you are. It's just, you (laughs) don't know you are. (laughs) Yeah. And not only that is you're, you're not in control of it. It can be as simple as, well, does the place look untidy? Yes. I remember we did, um, we do a thing called customer mirrors, which is where we go out and we act as a as a customer yeah and start looking at and thinking all these things but i always remember going into a courier and into the store and you could the first thing you could do when you walked in there was you could smell flowers because somebody had sort of the fourth sight of smelling flowers again another one good example i think that everybody is aware of but in this context is when you're selling your house baking cookies or making a
0: making coffee and
1: putting that smell and the sounds out there isn't it
0: yeah my, my mom is a home decorator she's a big believer in uh the smell of vanilla so when she's staging right. homes apparently and I don't, I don't know that this is backed up by science but the conventional wisdom in her industry is that vanilla kind of signals feeling home and feeling cozy again at a at a non-conscious level nobody's making that connection deliberately but instead it just it contributes to this feeling of being homey right
1: yes yeah a couple of good examples that i think of this uh, of doing this deliberately i don't know if anybody's ever looked at the fedex logo Mm -hmm. and have seen the arrow between the e and the x again subtle and people look at that and suddenly go bloody hell Never
0: seen that before. The arrow in the Amazon logo as well. So it's an arrow yes. pointing from A to Z, but it also looks like a smile.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and those things are clearly deliberately designed to influence you. And and, and if we go tie it back to what we we're talking about at the top, it's the same theory, isn't it? You know, whether you are an influencer, it's whether you, whether the influence is a conscious influence or whether it's a subconscious influence
0: yeah there are influencers who are very kind of upfront and and deliberate about it influencing and like telling you exactly what's going on and then there's influencers that are more in this kind of like product placement domain yeah they're just wearing this particular brand but really their post is about something else and so then we're starting to creep over more in towards this this non-conscious or subconscious type of of influence Mm -hmm.
1: When I was thinking about this before we did the show, it was making me think that you get a picture of Brad Pitt or something like that, and he's wearing a watch. Half the watches they wear, I haven't got a bloody clue what they are. Right. It made me think, and I I was listening to the radio the other day, where they were talking about a brand of uh, ladies' uh, handbags that cost thousands of dollars. And I was thinking you know what I wouldn't know one of them if I saw it so it's not going to influence me <laughs> because I'm not aware of it but thinking about it it may that may come back to your woodworker which is if you know about watches or you know about handbags and you see somebody doing it then that influences you but you've got to have that knowledge in the first place
0: so I think this is a a great discussion so if you're if you're thinking about using influencers in that way I think this is exactly the thing that you need to consider. Who are you talking to? What is their level of knowledge? What is their level of motivation? And how specific is that message going to need to be? So if we're talking to a general audience and we see Brad Pitt in a movie wearing a watch of a distinctive style, is that going to be enough to drive sales of your particular watch if you've you know paid a lot of money to get Brad Pitt to wear that watch in the movie? it may or may not, it may motivate more people to wear watches because they want to be like Brad Pitt or wear watches of that general style if they start to think that that's fashionable. But if it's gonna get down to your specific brand, then as you say, people need to know that that's the brand, right? And, and there will be some audiences who do, and if that's who you're communicating to, then, then yeah, that, that might work for you. But if you're launching a brand new brand into this space, one that very few people know about yet, then using this kind of subtle, in, uh, you know, subconscious influencer approach is probably not going to work for you at all.
1: Yeah, and by definition, it goes back to our favorite subject, doesn't it? of segmentation. Yes, which is you've got to understand the audience that you're trying to you're trying to get out to, basically, because unless you understand them and their, I guess, their state of readiness, as it were, then you're not helping yourself. The, the other area that it made me think of is, you know, the old uh, James Bond films and the Aston Martin. You remember the, the first Aston Martin that was in the James Bond film? Absolutely. Apparently, when they went to Aston Martin and said, can we have one of your cars? Aston Martin said, yeah, but you've got to buy it. And and they went, well, no, actually, we think if we put this in this movie, it will help your um, brand. And they went, mm, not really sure, but we'll give you one anyway. <laughs> Ever since then, that whole area of product placement uh, and everything else has taken off dramatically, hasn't it?
0: Oh, it's it goes back f- way farther than that. The first product placement that I'm aware of was in a film in um, 1920. Oh, right. wow. The, the famous Hollywood actor, um, Fatty Arbuckle. Right. Uh, the very first movie to win an Academy Award was in 1927. It was a movie called Wings, and it included several prominent product placements of Hershey's candy bar, where the, oh, right. the pilots were talking and then eating chocolate as they did. And, and you can see the the Hershey's label in there.
1: I always love it, though, when because I, you sit there and watch a film and you're aware of this and you go, look at that bottle of Coke. It's perfectly positioned and they're holding it in such a way that so you, can, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely see the brand. And you can see them doing little takes, can't you? Of, no, move the bottle around a bit because we can't get the full logo in, you know?
0: Yep. Yeah, and, and it, that points to this lim- the limits of this kind of subliminal, non-conscious versus conscious influencing. Sometimes they'll work it into the script. I remember watching an episode of a, of a TV show, some police procedural, where this young character, this young woman in her 20s needs to drive somewhere, and she gets into her minivan. And then another character in the show also gets into the passenger seat and is like, why are you driving a minivan, you single woman? In sure. the twenties. And then she goes on this like 30 second second spiel about how great her minivan is and, and names it by make and model and all. And it it was so jarring and out of place that whatever non-conscious influence was supposed to be happening became suddenly very, very conscious and honestly produced a bit of reactance in me. Like I, I was it was so obviously a cash grab that it took me out of the story and made me dislike the brand.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah, marketers have to be very careful about this. Let's go to the, so what,
1: what does that mean that people should do? What's the practical advice when looking into this area, either to go, well, you know, we, we need to get into this field. In other words, we need to start engaging with influencers or
0: maybe you're you want to become an influencer yourself and what do you need to do so i've got several so one is you know you you raised the point earlier on that that firms are already doing this and they just may not know about it yeah the reason that we have these non-conscious influences these subconscious influences is because we have these two systems in our mind we've got the intuitive system and the rational system and the intuitive system is just always processing all the information yeah So when something is subliminal, when it's too fast for us to recognize, or or when we're just not paying attention to it, like think about billboards as you're driving down the highway, you're not reading all of them, you're not like focusing on them, you're looking at stuff on the road in front of you. But there's a part of your brain that is, that's taking in all this information all the time. And that influences us, often in subtle ways. It's not like we become zombies and it takes us over. So all of these things are are sending these signals all the time. And so yeah as a firm you should think about these things you know down to the dress code down to you know how clean your stores are. you know I, I research uh, pricing, particularly at, at the retail level. and there are a lot of great anecdotes there about firms that have paid attention to this detail or not. there was uh, Walmart has uh, a reputation for being having stores that are kind of cluttered. They'll drop big pallets of things in the middle of aisles so that people can can buy stuff that's at a low price. People complain about that because it's hard to navigate your cart through the store when there's all this stuff dropped in the aisleways. And so Walmart for a while tried to deliberately clean up their stores and make them less cluttered. And people started complaining about the high prices. The prices hadn't changed, but there was this, this subconscious message that, oh, if they're cleaning stuff up, it must be a kind of a higher end store. There's a famous story that when um, the very first Home Depot opened up, um, some employee went and polished all the concrete floors so it would look nice. And the owner got very angry and they, they had to go out there with these skid steers and um, scuff up the floors because <laughs> he didn't want it looking like a nice place. He wanted it looking like a place that contractors would go to get their stuff because that would send a different price message. So are you thinking about these things? You know, What message is your employee dress code thinking uh, sending? You know, What message is your store desor- design and decor and your website design, what messages are these likely to be sending to people? So that's one. You're already doing this. Are you doing it intelligently?
1: Can I just jump in there with with one word that I love, which describes it all for me, which is deliberate? Yes. Is it deliberate? And And you have to go down into the granular of the detail to say, is this part of my experience deliberate? And the example I always use is... You go to Disney, you go into the different worlds, and even on the concrete floors, they have got either imprints or whatever
0: else of of different parts. So is it deliberate? I think everything at Disney is deliberate. Everything. Down to the fact that they have the streets sweepers who will take advantage of puddles to draw out in water pictures of Mickey Mouse. Like Everything is deliberate there in this way that sends this consistent signal. So they are important. They matter. Are you considering them? Are you being deliberate? On the other hand, there are limits to what you can do non-consciously. Let's go back to that Vickery study, the fake one that uh, never happened at the time. And then later when people tried it, it didn't work. I think that that didn't work based on the way that that non-conscious influences actually affect us. So think of what would have happened, what what would have needed to happen in order for the Vickery study to have worked. So people are sitting in their seats, they're watching a movie, and they start seeing these things flash up on the screen to drink Coke or to eat popcorn. What would have had to have happened in order for that to change concession sales? People would have needed to get up out of their seat in the middle of this movie to go out and buy popcorn yeah. That's not the way people buy popcorn in movie theaters. You buy your popcorn on your way in. The non-conscious influence would have had to have been so overpowering as to just completely change our normal course of behavior. And that's not the way these things work. Sure. So if you want to use non-conscious influence, it's going to be most useful if you are already the dominant brand in that space. So if I can like kind of pair the idea that that more people should be buying luxury watches. Well, that's going to benefit the dominant brands in the luxury watch space. If I want p- to non-consciously influence people to buy some specific brand, that's going to be really hard. That's, sure. a, that's a lot of, of lifting to be done by the non-conscious system. Does that sure. make sense? Yes. No, absolutely. absolutely. So be deliberate about it. Think about it. Don't rescue your business model on this either, though. Sure. All good points.
1: I think the only thing I would add is, You've really got to look into the, the detail of it, no matter if it's what's happening with the concrete or, you know, what does the
0: place smell like, which people don't often think about, or, you know, what does it sound like and all those things. We actually had a, a very interesting podcast uh, several months ago where we had somebody come in and talk about creating scentscapes and soundscapes for brands. Um, maybe we can leave that in the show notes. That was an interesting conversation.
1: Yes, that was. Yes. And, I, and I think that
0: most of those would count as subliminal influences.
1: Yes. Good. Okay, so we hope that's been of use. We hope we have consciously influenced you Very nice. uh, to think about, how about that? That was good. Wasn't it? And maybe even subconsciously influence you. I don't know. Please give it some thought. It's an important topic. If there is a pickle that you have, if you have a business problem at all, then please remember that you can go to the Beyond Philosophy website, which is beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. Tell us what your business problem is, and um, you can actually record it now, and then you'll appear on the show. Ryan and I will pontificate about um, what you should be doing. Until then, we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers.
0: This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.